If anyone else has reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. With respect to observing the law, I'm a Pharisee. With respect to devotion to the faith, I harassed the church. With respect to my holy belonging and standing under the law, I'm blameless. These things were my assets, but they wrote, but I wrote them off as a loss for the sake of the Messiah. But even before that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing the Messiah, Jesus, my Lord. I've lost everything for him, but what I lost, I think of as bullshit, so that I might gain the Messiah and be found in him. In the Messiah, I have a holy standing and belonging that is not my own, and that does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of the Messiah. It is the holy standing and belonging of God that is based on faithfulness. The holy standing and belonging that I have comes from knowing Christ, the Messiah, the power of his resurrection, and the participation in his sufferings. It includes being conformed to his death so that I may be, perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. It's not that I've already reached this goal or I've already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Jesus, the Anointed One. May this be to us the word of the Lord. Hello and welcome to the Lectio Cascadia podcast. My name is Brandon Rhodes and I'm really glad you're here. Thank you as always to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the music. So for so much of human history, the divine was to be appeased and feared. The mystery of the divine of the gods or of one god evoked terror, anxiety, scarcity. The divine, the deep magic, was thought to cause all kinds of things, good and bad, uh, but mostly bad that we've got to figure out how to dial that back. We had to do certain things to hack the equation of that deep magic or to appease the gods or the one god. So the bad things wouldn't happen to us. We'll do the rituals exactly right. We'll sacrifice exactly the right things in exactly the right way in exactly the right time with exactly the right people. We'll keep out the people who do those bad things. We'll kill those people. We won't use our bodies like this or that. Just please, God, don't kill us. Let us have enough. <laughs> um. You know, reality was and is, but particularly then, was universally fierce, violent, full of abrupt loss. This isn't an easy life we live. And this world, while it bends towards life, isn't afraid to take it away, it seems. So no wonder the deepest parts of reality were thought to be behind these things in some intentional way. So as the human drama unfolded, belonging, being creatures together, and this this entire complex of not pissing off the danger center, 
it all became enmeshed. So to protect the tribe, the family, the nation, we must do things the right way so that our God won't beat us and will give us enough. So to be safe, we must, you might say, be, well, their word for it was holy. Our ancestors on this planet developed all kinds of creative ways of ritualizing belonging, particularly as it related to not testing the holy and not pissing off the holy one (laughs) and being appropriately clean, physically clean, culturally clean, morally clean, not compromising. The political, the cultic, the ethical, the sanitary, it was all of one cloth of belonging, of, of holy belonging. Now, the big problem was not having, um, we don't want God to abandon us. And therefore, if we manage to not have God abandon us, then we are assured that the barbarians or the competing empires or germs or infertility or drought would be kept at bay. The orderliness of life hinges on orderly belonging and orderliness towards the the deepest parts of reality. You tracking? You see how this is how these dots connected then? Do you see how some of that thought pattern still percolates into today? Do you see it in yourself? You need to figure out how to feel secure by appeasing God. And maybe someone else not appeasing God is why you're having what you got. (laughs) Maybe you see it in your own story, other characters in your story. They've done that to you, or they've done that to your neighbors, your family. It's, It's an ancient, deeply learned way of making sense of our belonging together in this sacred, soaked, and um, fierce cosmos. So within the Jesus tradition, some of the most amplified voices begin to realize this important insight. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to secure the Holy One's love and care. Our gracious creator welcomes you into everlasting belonging freely. This idea of grace. It was huge. It was this massive corner to turn in the long story of religious consciousness. As uh, Rob Bell says, the gods aren't angry. The holy doesn't need appeasing or satisfaction to be fully committed to human flourishing and belonging. Now, one problem is they didn't quite catch on to that final insight, or at least many of the most amplified voices didn't. Um, or they caught it for a while, and then they had to choose what to do with that. They held on to this—see, they held on to this earlier understanding of the divine, where God really is angry and really does need satisfaction, where God really does need violence in the form of sacrifice to forgive and include and belong The father looking on the horizon and seeing the returning son needs to kill something before he can run to embrace that prodigal son. (laughs) See how wacky this is? There's all kinds of huge, huge, huge problems with it and very political reasons for why it held on for so long. It was very politically expedient to keep 
ultimate reality um, subservient to violence because we need violence and therefore it's pretty helpful if God needs violence too. So maybe hit pause on my ramblings here and think of what happens to religious, social, and political and the imperial status quos when you suggest that violence isn't needed to hold things together. Maybe Google the name Rene Girard and see where it takes you. So, grace was, in some sense, stillborn in Christianity. I mean, grace is not contingent on any one religion, but Christianity, at some point, as the empire uh, flirted with it, forgot the reality of gift, of grace. Maybe I should say the empire co-opted it and insisted that violence is deeper. It precedes grace. It precedes a gift. That when you go all the way down, the jewel at the heart of the lotus, the sacred hum in all things is not gift, says the empire. It's not grace. It's not life. It's not shalom. It's not Christ consciousness. It's violence. The gods do need appeasing. But hey, good news. Jesus was sacrificed, so God's not pissed anymore. <laughs> you see what they did? You see what they did? The death of Christ was the satisfaction of their limited vision of God's need for wrath. So they can still maintain this myth that violence is what holds us together as a people. Violence makes sense of belonging in this in this notion. Exclusion preserves us. That's the idea. It goes right back to that need to know who we are, which is, I mean, it bluntly, it's a mandatory part of what it means to be human together. We've got to figure out ways of understanding how do we share life and belong together in an unpredictable and um, sacred world. But it commits the same fallacy that their predecessors did, the same dead end. So we say there's something... So they would say that there's nothing we can do to earn God's love and all that, but the gods still do need appeasing. God does need appeasing. Um, so yeah, it totally great and true. Yeah, we we there's nothing we can do to earn earn or feel secure in our standing in God's love. Um, but then they still used purity tests and conformity to provide that sociological need. You see, they partially figured out the vertical piece that you can't, you can only join in the party of God's love, but they severed it from the horizontal because they still need that security. So I want to be clear, you know, that, that need can't be gotten away from. It's totally normal and um, as a need goes, it is healthy. We shouldn't shame needs for social fabrics. Um, we'll always need ways to make sense of our social fabric, to enrich it, and to weave resilience into it, to protect ourselves from um, predators, human and non, <laughs> uh, from germs, to make sure there's enough to go around. We need society and all the ways of belonging that go with it we can't get rid of it, but we have to learn how to interrogate it. 
The Christ challenge was deeply paradoxical at this point. It insists that everything we use to meet those needs of being social creatures will in the end betray us. They will always try to kill. They will always need... So therefore, they... the structures we create to meet these needs will always need to be crucified, to be exposed for their tendency to demand our allegiance and they think, and their promise, <laughs> their, their demand that we crucify someone else. The crucified one says no more. We have to expose their, their demand and wooing of us to leave others out in the cold or burnt to a crisp or on wooden pyres or hanging dead on a wooden cross. Our tools will always betray us. Doesn't mean we don't use tools, though. Our nets will always break. Doesn't mean we don't throw them out in the water. The Christ challenge is that to belong to this new way of being human together, to live beyond the old ways of exclusion and sacrifice, is to always interrogate those social mechanisms of belonging. More to the point, our deepest belonging is in the Christ. His attunement to that deep, holy hum. That personal, pervasive, perennial love. Every religious articulation is an attempt to make sense of that, that, as Father Rohr says, everything belongs. And to expand that sentence, everything belongs in Christ, the Messiah, the Holy One. Our holy standing and belonging is grounded in our receiving and participating in the faithfulness of the divine in Jesus. All memberships and structures and rituals are in submission to this reality. And they're always going to need our help (laughs) in bending their knee to the God who, as mother or father, runs to the prodigal son. They will always need to... (laughs) In the end, they will bend their knee. Our task is to continually hold them to that. It's it's what the author of this the reading today, uh, Paul, was trying to help us understand uh, in this letter he wrote from prison. Um, it's like he's saying, by every measure, I should totally belong to the holy people. I have checked all the boxes. I should have holy standing and holy belonging more than anyone. The gods are not surely angry at me. Check it out. <laughs> but but he counts it all as bullshit. That's close to the word he uses. <laughs> uh, and he sees how fixated his contemporaries were on expecting cultural conformity in order to know who's really got holy standing and belonging. Um, <laughs> which I, I, I should say there, um, when I say holy standing and belonging... I'm using that as a more helpful phrase to unpack the word, maybe you've heard in these readings, the word righteousness. When you see that word, often try out the phrase holy standing and belonging and see what happens. So yeah, um, Paul sees how fixated his contemporaries were on expecting cultural conformity in order to know who's really in, who's really got the holy standing, the holy belonging. He says, social conformity... Even the good things. It's not where we get our holy belonging. 
that's already part of the that holy belonging is already part of the deep suffering and resurrecting flow of reality that is Christ. You can't make this shit up. So stop trying <laughs> and stop killing each other. Or at least stop mutilating each other's penises, if you read the rest of the passage. That's what he's, that's what he's talking about, is circumcision. So stop doing that so you can feel secure about who's really in. Friends, this is the perennial challenge of the Jesus way of being human. We inevitably will create rhythms and rituals and structures of belonging. Well and good. But those rhythms and rituals and structures of belonging will always tempt us to confuse them for the real thing. Belonging mediated through them for belonging mediated through Jesus, the Anointed One. They will tempt us to confuse their fraying map for the lush land of Christ. In the name of grace, they will woo us to see others as things instead of gifts. Which brings me to the word church. I'll end, I guess, with that word. Uh, may it be a word, another word for a liberative social space where our structures of belonging are always being tuned to the holy belonging and standing found in the Holy One. May it be so in your neighborhood. May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence. And may the peace of Christ be with you. <laughs>